Athena, I want to tell you a story. Ooh, story time. <laughs> a story about a woman that spent most of her life in the backstage, only stepping forward when she had to, never getting to feel comfortable with who she was, and never feeling like she'd get to be who she wanted to be. And I want to tell you about how that woman, at the time in her life when she needed it most, found a story that was, well, relatable. Inspirational, validating, and gave her the comfort and strength to push forward through hard decisions using the hand life dealt her for the first time in her life instead of just wishing she wasn't playing at all. Athena, this is the story of why I'm still inspired by My Hero Academia. <laughs> Did I show you the show, or did we just find it on our own? I think we both found it on our own. Yeah, Because I, think... I remember watching it before we started talking. Yeah, I think so. So, MHA, My Hero Academia, or if you want the Japanese title, Boko no Hero Academia. <laughs> Which I have to admit, the first time that I was, like, looking up that show on r slash anime and reading the discussions about it, I was like, wait, where's the My Hero Academia post? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not smart, <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> the uh, It is a show. If you have not seen it or heard of it already, please, for the love of God, go watch it. Yeah. Uh, the basic summary, just as a general premise, is that the year is way later than it is now, and humans have evolved to sh develop superpowers. They have called them quirks, and that's, that is the basis of this world building. Some people are heroes, professional heroes, and they use their quirks to help people out. Some people use their quirks for more nefarious mean, means and uh, call themselves villains. Some people are just like thieves and crooks who happen to have quirk abilities and don't take any label one way or the other, or they take a non-villain label. Anyway, that is just the basic world, is their superpowers and people live in life, an entire society built around it, and you can be a pro-hero in the same sense that someone can be like a pro-wrestler, except like pro-wrestler part-time cop kind of thing. <laughs> but really the story follows a single character, Midoriya Izuku, <laughs> or Deku as we call him. Uh, Deku was a boy who looked up to the Superiest of superheroes, All Might of his time. Uh, All Might is quite literally intended to look like a Superman-styled hero with a Western comic theme-ish. Red, white, and blue. Lots of yellow, lots of bright blonde hair, blue eyes kind of thing to look like the Americanized superheroes of the West that you could find in comic book stores there. Um, and he was the symbol of peace and Deku is a huge nerd. Uh, Super nerd. Who all his life looked up to him, wanted to save people just like him, wanted to be the best hero ever, and when it came time for his superhero puberty, which is a thing in this universe, 
Imagine puberty, but you also just occasionally develop superpowers or not superpowers. Maybe you just develop like, you know, froppy and just become part frog. As or, if like, you know, as if puberty wasn't awkward enough. <laughs> yeah. Imagine having puberty and then also partially turning into a frog. And also catching fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> or like, uh, whatever happened to, uh, I don't remember her name, but the chick who spits acid. Like imagine having, Nina. yeah, imagine having puberty and turning into something that looked like an alien. <laughs> Talk about so, awkward times. So there is an actual coming of age where these quirks start to express themselves. And I think it's like, what, very young, first, second grade, somewhere in primary school. I get the impression, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I get the impression from the show that it is, it depends on the person. It, it's all dependent on a single gene, yeah. and they do express it roughly around the same age. And it's like puberty, you know, some start it early and some start it late, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that is where we get to meet our hero, Deku at least his part of the world, and the point I want to get to first. Uh, Midori is like this super nerd kid who literally has notebook after notebook of hero facts and all the little weaknesses and fights that some people have gone on. He's not just a nerd for All Might, he's a nerd for all heroes in general that are on the listing. He knows their placements, he knows their powers, he knows their names, their special moves. He is just super obsessed with being a superhero. And when it comes time for Deku to get his quirk, he goes to the doctor for a checkup, and he doesn't have the gene. Only 80% of the population in this world actually gets a quirk. Everybody else is just like you or me, an average person with no special abilities or anything, and they get their own place in society as various workers, like in grocery stores and sometimes police and just general go about your day standard living. And for somebody like Deku, who all his life wanted to be this amazing hero, that is horrifically crushing news. Well, and I also think it's important to like focus on the fact that it is 80% of the world has a quirk. Like, yes. It is not average to be normal, right? You said it's an average everyday person. It's average to have a quirk. Yeah, it's average as in this kind of world where nobody has superpowers the average for that world is to be superpowered. Yeah, so imagine being the world's <laughs> biggest superhero nerd and you're one of the few people who aren't a superhero. Mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of where we pick up with Deku and his childhood life. And just a sidebar, his quote-unquote best friend, or at least the person that Deku keeps trying to make his best friend, Bakugo, uh, gets not just a quirk, but a super ridiculously strong quirk of being able to sweat fucking nitroglycerin and make it explode in his hands, or wherever he wants, really. So, he sees his quote-unquote best friend at the time develop this amazing power, he's been raised to be this amazing strong kid with a super early express, super strong quirk that everybody knows is gonna be this super powered kid, and Deku, who just wants to help, doesn't get anything. And it kind of crushes him, and he spends his whole life wanting to be a hero, even though he is kind of quirkless. And he's going to stay quirkless, as far as we know. And that sucks. <laughs> and I really want to bring that first point in, is that kind of crushing realization that not everybody is going to be built how they want to be built, in the same situation they want to be built in, and... You really get to explore that feeling of Midori, who, whenever he first sees it, he does what he can to try to make better out of his situation. 
he studies everything, he really tries his best to try to get into the UA Academy, <laughs> whatever it's called. It's the Heroes Academy, the number one in the entire nation of Japan, and just where all the superheroes that are on the top of the ranks come from and teach at, and etc, etc. And Deku wants to get in, but he's quirkless. He doesn't have any strengths, he doesn't get that chance. Until, well, he has one day where he actually gets to save somebody despite being quirkless, despite it being a situation where he could literally die and so could the person he's saving. Regardless of all that, he rushes in anyway. It's the right thing to do, but more importantly, he can't help himself from being himself and he still goes in against those odds and saves the person who he shouldn't really have a reason to save which is the quote-unquote best friend bakugo who's really just a big fucking bully yep <laughs> and beats his ass and explodes him and makes him the butt of every joke and even earlier and the thing blows up one of his notebooks and throws it in a fountain like complete asshole to midoriya i'm gonna use the name interchangeably just no oh, i'm talking about the same person Deku equals Midoriya. Uh, yes. Uh, Deku's his hero name. Uh, he is scared. He sees Bakugo essentially dying to a sludge monster that is actually one of the most wanted heroes at the time for escaping from jail. And he is, like, dissolving, smothering Bakugo in the middle of the street. Uh, All Might had seemingly saved, uh, or captured this person and was delivering it earlier. And... Deku happened to find All Might. He kind of tagged along for the ride, spoke to him. All Might talked to him for a brief bit and was like, goodbye, weird super fan, and just kind of noped out of there. And in the process of noping out of there, uh, Midori accidentally released said slime monster, which then attacked his, who Deku still considers his friend, Bakugo, uh, and starts seeing this going down, and he just jumps in because it's the only thing he can think to do and he's clawing away he's crying the entire time with a smile on his face because he wants to smile just like all might does and even when baku is literally saying stop saving me you idiot <laughs> uh he's still clawing away clawing away enough time for all might to come in and actually save the day and all might sees all this go down and realize that you know Despite all these monstrous odds, despite everything, despite being quite literally the weakest person in that entire situation who could have stepped in when there were actual superheroes in the area who were licensed with the community there to actually do shit, attacking one of the strongest kids in the entire nation, trying to do shit and fight his way out, Deku, the short, green-haired, little quirkless kid, is the only one to rush in and try to do something about that. And All Might likes that. <laughs> and I think we all like, you know that little part in Fallout where everybody liked that? Yes, yep. everybody liked that, especially me. Uh, just, it, it's who he is, is out there to help. And I, I find a lot of myself in that. And really, I just kind of want to, I'm, I'm a people pleaser, probably to a fault. <laughs> and I, I find myself in that kind of relation of like, I want to help you as much as I can, even if it might get me in trouble sometimes, or even I don't realize the full gravity of the situation I'm in and I want to help sometimes, and I got myself in trouble that way. So I kind of I kind of related to that, but what I loved the most, and there's lots of allegories, and the reason I'm spending so much time on this is uh, 
the whole culmination of that is later, All Might himself shows up to Deku again, talks to him about being a hero again, about how he has no quirk, and All Might has a way to help him. <laughs> All Might happens to have a unique quirk that not only gives him super strength, speed, and all that good stuff, but it's also one that is actually passed down in a line from person to person, and it kind of works like an exponential growth superpower that can only be passed from one person to the other willingly via consuming some of their DNA, in this case, through All Might's hair. <laughs> and he says the famous line that makes everybody teary-eyed at the end of the first episode of, you can be a hero, and he gives him the hair, and then he starts training him, all and such. And the reason I spent so long on that is just for so many reasons, not just that I saw myself in wanting to try to help people, that's just a very superficial kind of level thing, but uh, I felt that kind of chance, not, I guess it does feel like too long ago now. Uh, I spent most of my life, as those who are probably aware, I am trans. Hi. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know by this point, I am shocked. Yeah, I don't know how you found our network without that. You should so. really go look at our website. And you should go look at our other alert. podcast. There's another podcast that we do, <laughs> and it might give some facts away about Aaron and I. Who knew? Anyway. Who knows? <laughs> so I spent a lot of my life trying to be something that I wasn't and trying to really force myself into a role that I really knew wasn't me. And the real me, when they got to express it, kind of flopped, floundered. It was seen as just an interesting talking point or something like that. There was never a point of, oh yeah, this is serious and real and something to be respected and validated. And then I got my chance, which was March 15th, many a year ago. <laughs> I believe it was actually 2017, where I got to be on hormones. And I got my own little magic hair, <laughs> is what it felt like to me. But really, it was probably back in November of 2016 when I really realized I was trans. And that was that moment of, I can actually be the person I know who I am. And it's going to be scary as shit and hard to struggle through and do this. And there's a lot of people who are not going to be okay with this and going to do everything they can to try to stand in their way against this. And there are going to be people who are stand with me on my side and help along the way. But that is the time when I found my hero. Not like, I found my hero. No, I found my hero academia in that time frame. Like, probably within a month's time, give or take one way or the other, was I saw Deku undergoing this transformation from skinny little hopeless kid into... It's a story of how he became the greatest hero of all time, as he says in the first episode. And I think people forget that this is technically like a entire flashback of a show told in that perspective but uh he gets to go from that to literally become the greatest hero of all time and we get to watch that journey and i felt kind of that same growth in that adventure and just so related to the idea of never getting to be who you know you are <laughs> no matter how much you try there are physical limiters in place or just societal limiters in place and you finally find the way to kind of push past that. And it's not just like Deku gets the hair and now suddenly he's all powerful. It's like Deku gets the hair and then starts the most painful years of his life. Breaking, quite literally breaking bones almost every single day kind of thing. Training, he cleans an entire junkyard of a beach single-handedly over the course of like six or nine months or something like that just to train up for the addition. So he's like 
not he doesn't just suddenly go super saiyan it's something that he has to actually earn and he still we are in season four now mid-season yep. finale of season four at this point and he's still mastering just not breaking his body when he attacks yeah i think like the most recent episode he almost broke everything by going 20 percent like yeah and yeah. he's at it's four seasons he's at 20 percent. like this is the slowest of slow burns in terms of getting to be super powered it's not like goku where he started as a saiyan and then i don't know anything about dragon ball z this is a bad i mean goku reference. starts with a tail and turns into the ultimate ultimate yeah. super saiyan thing and he's like i don't know 10 yeah whenever he gets that transformation and just deku has to work for it like mm -hmm. work fucking hard and is still working hard and the driving force his superpower is not necessarily what's called all for one where it's the exponential power his superpower is just who he is at his very core and he has the tools to express that the right way now that's how i really see a lot of what deku do, does is he has the right heart and the right mind and now he has a tool to kind of shape his own experience in this world as he wants and i felt the same way when i finally finally accepted who I was going forward was I felt like this is terrifying because now I get to be who I need to be and now it's also terrifying because I need to be I get I need to find out who I actually am and how I get there <laughs> who I want to be versus who I am and how I get there and there was just a lot of struggle and why I tied myself so tight to this show I'm, I'm still stuck with it for a few more reasons that i'll get into in just a moment but that was one of the biggest things with my hero was uh i found it at the exact right time in my life to just latch onto it and maybe i started watching it before i was fully out but absolutely it was one of the contributing factors to help me just kind of bite the bullet and face who I was and just move forward was, and it seems so weird to talk about that with an anime show, but I've been tied to anime since I was like 12. I'm a huge anime fan in lots of ways. I'm a manga fan in lots of ways. I like light novels and stuff to a little lesser extent, light novels, but <laughs> just this was a very important moment for me, even though I was still 25 at the time. I was still 25 when I found out in 26, not long after. So that that was just the very first thing and uh, another thing that just a sidebar that i liked about deku i mentioned that he was a super nerd uh to a point where he has entire scenes of him just sitting there muttering to himself <laughs> literally just mutter, 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 mutter. and people are staring at him like what is he doing and he is known as being very analytical especially at the start because he kind of uses his power at the start like a one-shot wonder because after he uses his power, he breaks a limb, quite literally. Like, he will throw a punch and his entire right arm is shattered kind of thing. And so he overanalyzes the situation and just goes into it. He thinks of all the possibilities that he can possibly go for and he goes at it. And I relate to that hardcore because I have anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And anxiety has a lot of thinking of all the worst possibilities and how you might be able to circumvent them. <laughs> so that was just a little aside. I liked, I still like being a very analytical person. I love strategy games very, very much. And it's just very fun. <laughs> so that, that being aside. 
I don't want to just talk about Deku the entire time. I, because the show is not just him. In fact, there's entire episodes where he doesn't even show up. Uh, the entire story of My Hero actually follows a ton of heroes. Uh, there's the entire class of 1A at UA of Japan. Uh, there's 1B in Japan. You have other classes in the school. You have kids who are not even in school and ditching and becoming villains and stuff like that. Like, you learn intimately the lives of these different characters, whether they are sidekicks to sidekicks in a villain league to a single fight in an alleyway to this. You get to hear and feel the motivations and there's some shows where there's just very one-note characters who the most you could say about them stops at their hair color kind of thing. And I feel like anime has a lot of those kind of characters, you know? Oh, that's the blue hair. <laughs> What's her personality? She likes boys. Okay. <laughs> and then there's people like Momo, the super rich girl who is very, very friendly and is known that she got born with a silver spoon in her or a gold spoon in her mouth even and doesn't want really anybody to know it and so she does what she can to just be one of the others just there to train her quirk and there's Kirishima who spent a lot of his life too scared to take any action and to save anybody with a quirk that everybody thought was not so cool not that great he can kind of make himself a little tougher whenever he was figuring things out. And then going on to be one of the coolest fucking characters this season as Red Riot. <laughs> Just amazing aspects of all these people. And you get to see, I believe the term is Nakama. Uh, it, it's just that close-knit collection of main story characters kind of thing, also often in uh, Eastern Tales. Uh, but I feel like that word is even too small for what we have with my hero. <laughs> There's little bits and pieces of every single person, whether that is the pervy person in Mineta. <laughs> oh, I hate you, that character. Yeah. You have the super rule-following, almost obsessive in Aida. <laughs> you get the overanalyzation with Deku and the motivation and just the trial and error you get with the Deku, obviously a lot of him builds that up. But you also get the characters who don't have the super flashy powers struggling with identity crises. Like I said, Kirishima dealt with that in one of our most recent episodes. But you also get people like Fropi. She's a frog girl. Okay, she has and a long she tongue. Great. She is amazing. But it's not because she has frog powers, it's because of who she is. And I think one of the best examples of that is actually Mirio, uh, who we got. And by the way, I don't know if you are a fan, you're probably going to get spoilers going forward. I'm going to try to avoid them as best I can, but there's no spoilers at this exact part. Mirio, when you were first introduced to him, is part of the big three. He's basically a senior, and he is kind of top dog senior at the UA. And uh, the issue that he has is that his quirk was weird. It's called permeation, and basically the equivalent is that he can walk through walls. And really, he can go through anything. It's just so hard to focus. He gets nauseous and like has weird equilibrium things. And that's about it. Like the coolest, most 
physically powerful thing his thing can do as far for terms of like actual mechanical force is that he can go into the ground and whenever he turns off his cork he pops out like when you try to hold a football underwater and it shoots up and knocks your front teeth out like <laughs> that's like the coolest ability that mario has and also he goes naked if he's not wearing the right uniform because <laughs> he goes through his clothes mario fucking kicks ass <laughs> like to the equivalent of all might levels of kick ass to the equivalent that he was very much preferred to be all might's successor rather than deku by all Might's sidekick and it is nothing to do with his quirk it has absolutely nothing to do with it it is purely who mirio is as a person wanting to save somebody make them laugh make them happy and try their best to help he is very very dedicated and it's not just for himself, because that gets you Bakugo, who is an asshole. Yeah. But he's an asshole for the better of people. <laughs> he's not He's not trying to be a hero so other people will be safe, necessarily. He's trying to be a hero so that people are safe and they know he's cool, because they're safe, kind of thing. Mirio just wants people to be happy, period. And he got handed a quirk that is so hard to master and eventually literally became the master of said quirk. Uh, and is very much like an older Deku. Uh, I feel like he was meant to kind of play that part and show everything through there. And you just find so much humanity in these characters that one, it inspires me to write characters like that. And I've been almost afraid to write recently because of how good some of these things are. I don't want to start just throwing back a lesser my hero into pages and stuff like that. But you get to explore parts of your psyche you might have kind of shoved away, didn't really think about for a moment, or did and not sure what to do. Uh, Deku is one of those that was pretty over and done with fairly quickly. Now it's not a matter of he got handed a shit hand of cards and has to master it. It's now he got handed the entire fucking gambling casino's poker chips and doesn't know what to spend it on kind of thing. And is trying not to ruin himself with it. But you get other characters in there who... Jiro. What is her power? She has extendable ox cord earlobes. And she's in the top freshman class of the Hero Academy. <laughs> like, how do you deal with the fact that you're very much relegated to not even just the backstage? <laughs> you're on the call list for the backup of the backstage crew kind of thing. <laughs> and still manage to push through and have personality. A little aloof, talented, just... You find little bits and pieces of people throughout here which makes my writing want to be better it makes me want to be better because it gets to explore some of the parts of the psyche that i didn't you know i read literature to kind of explore that you know i watch shows because i think it's interesting how they explore parts of that i think thanos was an interesting villain because of things like that i think tony stark is a great hero because of things like that you just see him go through real struggles and i feel like there's a lot of that that we see in a fucking anime, a shonen jump anime that has no right to explore, has no, sorry, not, it has every right to explore, it has no expectation to explore such deep topics, deep personal real world topics of both children and adults. <laughs> 
And yet here it is, one of the number one animes of the season, number one mangas of the entire season, and for several seasons. And it's here doing lots of introspective work that I absolutely love, not just because there's tons of sakuga, tons of super great animated things like, uh, fuck, Todoroki's, uh, what is it, the tournament arc, with his hand gliding behind him as the flames shoot out. Yes, that looks cool. But what I love the most about it is getting to learn his backstory of struggling to deal with his own personal fears because the hand of his abuser, he sees traits of his own abuser in that, and he psychologically has to overcome that. And who fucking helps him with that is Deku. <laughs> That's the shit I love about the show is that it's not superheroes doing cool things. It's amazing people dealing with real problems throughout life, and also they have superpowers. <laughs> I think it's very uh, similar to actually how the Fantastic Four got popular. It was one of those first series where heroes actually dealt with alcoholism. It was like uh, Fantastic Four. And people loved it because of that. And I think that's where a lot of the fame and really the prowess of my hero comes from is the writing is amazing very few times if ever do i ever go that wouldn't fucking happen <laughs> just the world is built so tight so real with so many good rules in it and yes there's holes here or there but every story has them and you hardly ever notice them if you notice them at all <laughs> so i don't want to ramble too long on that point but I do want to shift just a bit. We talk about Deku going from nobody to getting the chance to be who he wants to be and struggling with that. We've talked about the friends going throughout the entire experience, just getting to see bits and pieces of these real people that happen to have powers. And now I want to focus on the things they do with those powers. And whether that is through their personal mental strength or through their physical strength, just going through the overcoming of these monumental tasks <laughs> whether that is with their powers or not whether they are scared shitless or not whether they are literally going to die <laughs> or not there's moments quite a few moments where midoriya almost dies several several times in the series and it's usually a season finale <laughs> And if it's not Midoriya, it's another friend. Uh, season one ends with a thing called a Namu. That is this giant beast quite literally designed to be an anti-All Might. That is out there attacking the kids' school because they know that All Might teaches there. And that he's raising other students and possibly getting a successor there. It attacks them and tries to kill All Might. And All Might sends it to the fucking moon and crashes back on Earth and all that, and yay, yay, yay. But there's a hero there who can dissolve anything he touches, or I should say a villain that dissolves anything he touches, and we see episodes where he has his hand around Deku's neck when they're at the mall, just talking to them about their plans if nothing's going on, and he knows for a fact that he could literally kill him with just an activation of his quirk right then and there in the mall if he wants to. It happens again in the UA training hall whenever the Namu attacks and all that. It happens again with somebody called the Hero Killer Stain, there to kill heroes, though Stain doesn't do it. Because Deku reminds him too much of the reason he's out there killing people is because they're not like All Might, and he sees All Might and Deku. Not just metaphorically. <laughs> And 
there's just so many moments of sheer terror and we don't face these in our day-to-day -day life. I don't go to work and think, oh no, Jenny from the block is gonna come over here and disintegrate my shoes or something. <laughs> I don't know why that was the worst thing I could think of, but. <laughs> just imagining superhero pranks. It's like, oh no, you damaged, you, you disintegrated my shoes again. Fuck. I imagine that's what Mina does whenever somebody pisses her off that she just drills a little drop of acid in the shoes. So it's just like slightly there. <laughs> anyway. Their hero name becomes the soul eater. Oh my God. Uh, but we're, we're not facing these deadly forces every day. We're not, you know, going against our greatest hero every day. And, well, neither are they. There's got to be some drama in there, and many times of the most dramatic moments take up seven or eight episodes, because they need to, to tell the full story, not because they're Dragon Ball Z and just filling for time. But you do have moments that are scary. Coming out was goddamn terrifying every single time I did it. <laughs> and I did it a lot of times because I was scary of the scared of the biggest one, which was coming out publicly online to literally every person I ever met. And even still, that was terrifying. Like, I came out to one person and then another in private and then another in private and then several more in private and then several more in private and it just never got easier in fact it probably got a lot harder every time but i found a lot of the strength to kind of push forward in the stories of mha it was nice to kind of escape and think you know it's gonna suck but I know for a fact I can do this, and it's not physically going to hurt me. <laughs> and if it does, it's not going to physically hurt me bad. <laughs> and I can move forward and I have counters to it, you know. I can lock my door if I need it. <laughs> um, and one of the biggest, like, most scary things was moving up here. That was a thousand-mile drive for somebody who has severe, severe anxiety from PTSD I got as a kid in a horrible car wreck, which I have since dealt with to the point I can drive, but that doesn't mean I don't have near panic attacks several times a week driving. Like, I park, have a moment to calm down, and then I go in kind of things, but I've multiplied it. If I don't know the area, it spikes a thousand percent. <laughs> and driving a thousand over a thousand miles into a new location where i have one person that i really know granted i really care about and love them and she's on the other side of this mic <laughs> but it was a big risk factor i had never ever permanently lived outside of my town of birth I lived in the dorms in college, and even still, I went home one to two times a week because I was 30, 45 minutes away, and it was weird. I didn't like going on trips, even to places that I love, like Disney World and Disneyland and the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't even like really driving to get food. I, was very, I wasn't agoraphobic or anything, I just didn't like traveling. I'm still not a massive fan of traveling, but it's certainly better now. And 
pushing through to that big drive. The scariest part of that entire thing was having to clear out the apartment because I had several hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars of furniture that had nowhere to go. And so I had to find places for it. I had to actually make a real plan to uproot this life that I had built. Just this complete root system I had established for 20 something years in this city where all my connections were, all my friends were, and all my education was within like a 30 minute drive from here. And I could have all this connections and all the drive. And I just had to take the chance because I knew deep down that this was the right move and moving forward. And it was, and it's been the best, it's almost been a full year now, uh, the best year of my life. And it's gonna keep getting better every year. I, I, I kinda wanna wrap this up because I have been gushing endlessly throughout this whole night. So I, but you know, just, whether you've read the manga or are sitting there with us on the couch every Saturday waiting for the latest release, My Hero Academia is a shonen story that's got a little bit for nearly everybody. I find bits and pieces of myself and nearly every member of the hero cast, from my internal struggles with self-worth to well-intentioned actions with flawed execution, <laughs> to the absolute fear I felt when faced with certain struggles. But I've also found inspiration to create, to accept parts of my life I can't control, and to face the fears necessary to change the things that I can. I never want the show to end. I, I know it will, but there is so much of who I am that I found both inside of and thanks to this story that it's hard to imagine my life without it. Yes, it's an anime. But it explores real issues kids and adults alike find in their own life. No, we aren't fighting superpowered villains with fire in our hands or amplifying ears, but we deal with fear, loss, pain, self-doubt, falling short when we try our hardest, and having to make sacrifices we don't know will be the right one in that moment. And we look to the show and get inspired to overcome all of those things, from big to small. Acknowledging the fear and pain, but doing what's needed to take things on in spite of it. Analyzing the situation of when to push forward and when to stay put. All of these reasons I've talked about tonight are the reason that I'm still inspired by My Hero Academia. Thanks for listening. Still Inspired By is a story thus far network podcast. You can email us thoughts about the show, topic ideas, or anything else you want to discuss at staff at storythusfar.com. If you want to see other things that we've made, come check out our website at www.storythusfar.com. You can also find us on Twitter at at storythusfar or on Facebook at facebook.com slash storythusfar. If you'd like to connect with our community, you can find us on Reddit at r slash storythusfar and on Discord, which we'll have links to in the description. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Still Inspired By. Join us next week when I tell you about a red-haired girl, a world full of machines, and her quest to be someone despite the people who raised her. Thanks for listening.